With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yes, welcome into Action Movie Rewind, where we do deep dives into some of the most prominent, popular action movies of all time on Mackie and Judd. This is sort of the rebooted version of the show because we, we did a bunch of these between 2020 and 2021. Some we did on our old radio show and Declan wasn't producing. And uh, and then a bunch of them we just did audio versions of with no YouTube. We said, let's 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 put these all in a YouTube playlist. so We can archive these. I think I think these are monumentous uh, cinematic reviews here that I think should go down in history right next to Roger Ebert's reviews and Siskel, you know, so Jim uh, sure. Is he, sure, yeah. Gene who's Shallot. that guy? Who, you don't remember? Oh, you got to Google Gene Shallot. You know, Gene Shallot is Phil. Great hair. Do I? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Great hair. Yeah. The mustache. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll look him up. You'll like the picture. Of all things, the reason I know it is because Family Guy references him a lot. Like Peter okay. sometimes turns into him. So uh, that's, that's the only yeah. I'm Gene Shallot now. Bye. Okay, all right. So uh, so we this week, we are going to go back to the late 1980s here. This was actually the first ever movie we reviewed on the original Action Movie Rewind on the old Mackie and Judd radio show, Bloodsport, with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And uh, this is going to be presented by the official dog food of Mackie and Judd, which is Nutrisource. So not only do we have Maya Mackie on board with Nutrisource, we've got Stella Zolgad on board with Nutrisource. Uh, how are the first couple weeks going? Are you getting uh, are you getting those regular Tootsie Roll poops with good digestion and gut health like Maya has? I am indeed. And best of all, I'm getting a very happy dog. A dog that gets up and embraces her run to the bowl because she knows Nutrisource is going to be in that bowl. And as you can see from this picture, Phil, as you can see, she is now, she loves these treats. She yeah. absolutely loves the, these treats. So, yes, it has treated her well, and she loves her Nutrisource. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer oh. near you so that your dog can look as happy as, look at Maya look at on Ma. the YouTube channel. Just happy as can be with a big scoop of Nutrisource chicken mm. and rice food on its way into her bowl. Again, NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near you. Also, a shout-out to our friends over at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, helping businesses for over 100 years maximize their level of success through risk management tools and resources. It's like having a great offensive line for your business, protecting your quarterback, looking out for risks on the horizon. Find out more at FederatedInsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, dudes, Bloodsport, 1988. 
Here's the summary. United States soldier Frank Dukes has some uh, has come to Hong Kong to be accepted into the Kumite. 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 A highly secret and extremely violent martial arts competition. While trying to gain access into the underground world of clandestine fighters, he also has to avoid military officers who consider him to be absent without leave. After enduring a difficult training and beginning a romance with a journalist named Janice Kent, Frank Dukes is given the opportunity to fight. But can he survive? Mm. 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics' consensus says this is where it all began for the Muscles from Brussels, which is apparently Jean-Claude Van Damme's nickname. But beyond Van Damme's athleticism, Bloodsport is a cliched, virtually plotless exercise in action movie recycling. Uh-huh. Only a $2 million budget turned into $50 million at the box office and countless reruns over the last 30 years. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme forced Whitaker also making an appearance yep. in this movie. He's in a lot of random movies. So um, we'll get to statements here in a second, but I'd love to run some production notes by you guys and just get your thoughts on these. All right. Fire away. So this movie is said to be based on a true story, the real-life story of Frank Dukes. But after the film's release, many of Dukes's claims were disputed, including by co-screenwriter Sheldon Ledich, who claimed Frank Dukes fabricated his fight record and the existence of the Kumite. <laughs> So uh, there's actually there's a photo from the 1970s. There's a photo of Frank Dukes holding a 1975 Kumite tournament trophy, mm-hmm. and it's in Black Belt magazine in the November 1980 issue. They did a big feature on him. This is like eight years before the movie came out. Yet shortly after the movie's release in 1988, writer John Johnson published an editorial in the L.A. Times accusing Dukes of making everything up Johnson states that Dukes' Kumite trophy didn't come from a 1975 tournament, but rather it was merely ordered and picked up by Dukes at a trophy shop just a few miles from his Southern California home. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So this guy apparently, and there's, oh there's some great articles about all the things that he presumably lied about, but, but I can't remember if it was the director or the lead writer for this movie, basically said, yeah, I think the guy is totally full of crap, but... These stories sound great. We should do a movie about this. That's what I was going to say is like, it, <laughs> who cares? Oh, man. And it's, it's, it's basically like uh, underground mixed martial arts and UFC yes. before it was really mainstream. Yes. So one of the producers, Mark DeSalle, said he was looking for, quote, a new martial arts star who was a ladies man. Jean-Claude Van Damme appeals to both men and women. He's an American hero who fights for justice the American way and kicks the stuffing out of bad guys. And then final note here, Bloodsport has been credited with popularizing the concepts of full contact in mixed-style martial arts competition among mainstream audiences. Early MMA events, such as the UFC's first-ever event in 1993, were sometimes compared to the film. It's also inspired, uh, I believe, the Mortal Kombat video game series as well. I have a great statement on that, yep. Well, let's start with Declan, because mm-hmm. you have not seen this movie before. This is mm-hmm. your first ever viewing of a cult classic. So what is your first statement about Bloodsport? So your last production note uh, kind of dovetails into my first statement. So about 30, 40 minutes in, I made this realization. I was like, this is this is essentially the video game Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And Mortal Kombat, 
was like the first video game I ever played. And it's still to like this day, probably like my favorite video game franchise of all time. It's right up there for me. And then I did some serious research into this. And it turns out that they were Mortal Kombat, Ed Boon, who was the creator of Mortal Kombat with Midway Games. um, They went as so as far when they saw this movie that they literally offered Jean-Claude Van Damme to be his own character in the first Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And essentially what happened was there was talks that Jean-Claude Van Damme had a deal with Sega and, and Sony, uh, or yeah, Sega, not Sony, with Sega to make their own video game, their own fighting video game. And they were holding out. Ed Boon even wanted to send a concept to Jean-Claude Van Damme to like, no, dude, we want you to be a character in this game. And eventually it fell through. Mortal Kombat turns out like 10 video games over the next 20, 30 years arguably the most violent, but also one of the most successful video game franchises, too, of all time. And when you're watching this movie, and as someone who's a big Mortal Kombat nerd like I am, Frank's character is essentially who Johnny Cage is in I was going to ask, is, I was going to ask, is he Johnny Cage? And then I pulled up he, Johnny Cage's wiki, and in the first paragraph it says, Johnny Cage is inspired by martial arts star Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, so I... <laughs> I will say Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat, the franchise, is definitely a lot more charismatic than Jean-Claude Van Damme is in yeah. these movies. Like, like, like Johnny Cage is overly confident in the video game. I, I don't get the overly confident from Jean-Claude Van Damme in this. And the weirder thing is, 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 is Chung Lee, who's the antagonist in this movie, basically looks exactly like Liu Kang. Like, if you Google who Liu Kang is in Mortal Kombat, who is the mostly the... Uh, uh, the hero throughout the entire series for the most part. There's so many characters that it's hard to pinpoint one hero, but he is the hero in, in the first two games and in the first two iterations of the movies that they've made. Um, Chung Lee is basically, yes. looks exactly like Liu Kang. Yes. And from this the red headband and everything. Yeah. From the cheering, and then even Chung Lee saying, you're next. Like, th- there is, there's the famous Mortal Kombat line is, your soul is mine from Shang Tsung. Like, that, yeah. that's the famous, like, your soul is mine. So, like, there is an insane, I, I couldn't believe, and I had no idea that these correlations existed until I did a Google search, but Bloodsport is essentially the entire basis of the entire <laughs> Mortal Kombat franchise yes. series. Yep, it's amazing. Yep. Yeah, Judd, you probably were a little old before you got into, like, you know, the, the Sega, I think Super Nintendo had a version of Mortal yep. Kombat, too, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yep. You were an well, adult a, by then. You were yeah, I, I didn't play. That's <laughs> awesome, though. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I was thinking the same thing, and then I I did the same deep dive that you did, which is yeah, this is this is pretty much Mortal Kombat, isn't it? And yeah. it turned out to be the inspiration. So, all right, Judd, your first statement on Bloodsport. So th- this is my second time seeing this film. Um, I would say this now. So so like th- this was to Phil's point our first film. So like this was our our starting point. Okay, since then we watched what. Hundred films, sixty films. I I don't know. Anyway, with with now context to like what this film means in, in the AMR um, uh, genre. Jacques Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal are the two worst actors <laughs> of anybody we have. And I mean, there's there, there's some questionable ones, uh, but Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude are the two worst actors that we have in our in our archives, our franchise of AMR, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think. <laughs> like uh is but well would you put 
yes, if, if we did a, a Mount Rushmore of bad action movie actors. A pecking order, yes. Those guys are fighting for the George Washington spot. Yes. I think Keanu Reeves is on there I, somewhere. A young Keanu is, definitely. A young Keanu, yeah. Stallone is yeah. pretty bad, too, but Stallone playing Rocky tends yeah, to be better I acting because it's kind of just his character. Yeah, he's good at that role. He's really good at that role. So I'm glad you brought up the Steven Seagal thing here because I found an article on Ranker.com. And it highlights the insane story of Frank Dukes and all the different lies or claims that he made. And the first thing on this list is, I I had no idea until I searched this, Frank Dukes claims he was offered $25,000 once to kill Steven Seagal. According According to Dukes, someone offered him 25 grand to assassinate another noted martial artist, Steven Seagal. No records exist of Dukes reporting this to the police or of him actually attempting to snuff out Seagal. And so it remains oh a mystery. Oh, my God. Frank <laughs> Dukes is, awesome. is one of the greatest liars of all time. Yes. That is great. Dukes also claims he sold his prize sword to save orphans in the Philippines. Uh, so he apparently won a sword for winning the Kumite. But, of course, he no longer owns it. I, I, well, yeah. Wh- wh- where's the sword, Frank? <laughs> He sold it to pay for a mission to rescue orphans from pirates in the Philippines. He says many of them now reside in the United States and are loyal enough to take lives for dukes. What does that mean? Like the the orphans now kill people? They would kill for dukes. I guess. This guy is great. My God. Vivid imagination. Well, and then I'll give you. So my, my first statement here is I, uh, I don't know if I quite believe the Frank Duke's fight statistics at the very end of this movie. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's go through them here. So at the end of the movie, uh, it says from night on the screen, it says from 1975 to 1980, Frank W. Dukes fought 329 matches, 329 matches in five years. Let's do the math on that real quick. So, uh, five He's busy. Five times uh, 52, so that's two, it'd be 260 weeks. So he is averaging about a fight and a half per week between 1975 and 1980. Now, there's some tournaments where you might you know fight right. four He's, times. Yeah, exactly. But, hmm. He retired undefeated as the world heavyweight full-contact Kumite champion. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was 329-0. and 0. <laughs> Mike Tyson lost a couple nah. boxing matches here yeah. and there, you know. Uh some of the the great Brock Lesnar by the way gets beat in mixed martial arts matches. But apparently Frank Dukes Not was Frank. 329 and 0. Mr. Dukes still holds four world records as of 1988 anyways. Fastest knockout 3.2 seconds, fastest punch with a knockout 0.42 seconds. Fastest kick with a knockout, 72 miles per hour, and most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament with 56. 56 in one tournament? How are you fighting 56 people in one tournament? How wouldn't big you, is the bracket? If you're going to lie <laughs> that much, wouldn't you like come up with plausible statistics? Well, if you built out a bracket that involved fighting 56, unless it's like a double elimination, you're facing some guys twice, but... If you play in a in a in an NCAA tournament, sixty four teams. Yep. You're only playing six games to win. Right. So would my math be right on this? So you what's uh 
what's 56 divided by uh, 6? It's 9, about 9, right? So you're... T- <laughs> So 64 times, are you telling me this would be I, I know, it's like a 600-person tournament or more? I don't know, but congratulations to Frank Dukes. for <laughs> It would be more than that, actually. I think it would be somebody do the – maybe someone in the YouTube comments can do the math. If you fought 56 matches in a single elimination tournament, how many initial competitors would there have to be to make that happen? Oh, pretty grueling. So anyhow, yeah, I don't know if I, don't know if I believe the Frank uh, Dukes. Yeah. Legacy and statistics. All right, my next statement. Uh, this is more of accumulation of all these hilarious action movies we've watched. But what is my statement is what is with people punching hilarious objects in action movies? So <laughs> in this movie, in the first forty-five seconds, I think there is people punching ice cubes, coconuts, two by fours. Uh, Steven Seagal is just consistently popping that two by four wrapped in rope all the time. There is a collection of our action movies where people are just punching random things that I don't think necessarily toughen you up. Like, I I don't understand what would be the uh, lure of punching a coconut, punching an ice cube. I find it absolutely hilarious that we have to really go over the top in these action movies to prove what's a what's a random object we can bring in the fold. How strong can we show this guy? And then let's show him breaking it. Let's show him breaking this coconut. Let's Coconuts show him breaking this big block of ice. I find it absolutely hilarious. So there is, I did a dive in my Frank Dukes research. I did find his Instagram page, and he does, he hasn't posted anything th- since 2017. But there are three videos on his Instagram page of him at some sort of like martial arts showcase event where he is breaking champagne bottles. There's there's a video. I, so so he's not totally full of crap in terms like the guy has some some game when it comes to martial arts. Not that he's not a liar, but in one of these videos, there is a full bottle of Jack Daniels on a table, and he breaks the bottle of Jack Daniels. From the top. So the, there's a cap on it and everything. And he applied, like, much like you're breaking a brick, you know, where he does the, right. the break the bottom brick thing. He is hitting this Jack Daniels bottle at the top on the cap and shattering the whole thing. And the and the liquid goes everywhere. And somehow not also cutting his hand as he's doing this. So, uh, hmm. dude, I, I think especially with, like, martial artists, you know, they just like to show off the weird things that they can yeah. kick and break and punch and not have uh, permanent damage done to their bodies. Okay, back to Judd. All right. The agents tracking Frank Dukes are incredibly incompetent. Oh, God. <laughs> that, like, and, and like, if you're going to... So if this film is based on a, a, in air quotes, true story, right? You make these guys out to be, like, uh, cartoon character buffoons. Like, their level of incompetence... They fall into a canal. Like, their level of in- <laughs> incompetence is Keystone Cops. Um, that one Looney scene Tunes. where they're chasing it's him Looney to the Tunes. weird song. It there's is, a yeah. gr- there's a great YouTube remix where they replace the song that was playing as they're running through the city, and he's ch- you know they're chasing oh. him, and so- and somebody replaced that song with the Mentos commercial song. Oh my god, <laughs> Mentos freshness, Mentos, and it- and at the end it's him like putting his thumb up in the air as they're you know, falling all over each other. It That's is incredible. though the level of incompetence from from these guys who like. Who like are supposed to work for the government and track this guy down, right? Bring him back, and then how they like lose him consistently. Yeah, it's it's basically it becomes a comedy. Well, they bust out their tasers at one point, yes. right? 
And then, and of course, to your point, by the end of this thing, they've given up entirely. And now they're just sitting front row cheering him on Turn at the Kumite. Yes. Like, right, whatever. Let's just go get some tickets <laughs> to the Kumite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This <laughs> underground fighting ring. Anyway. So, no, I, I fully agree with you on that one. Okay. Uh, my next statement, and this might be, this might be the deepest dive here of, of, the, of the episode. I feel like the reporter gal violates journalistic ethics a few times. <laughs> oh, boy. I got that yeah. in my notes. Yeah. So she's sleeping with the subjects that she covers. She's intervening in the story by going to the police to try and shut down the Kumite. Yes. And then she's just openly cheering for him at this event in the front row. Yes. So at first she goes undercover somehow. She gets in undercover pretending to be a valet or something. And then by the end, she's just like very clearly Frank Dukes' girlfriend and just so sitting gross. front row this thing it's so true i don't think so let me get this straight so these two <laughs> they meet they apparently go on we see them go on one date and hook up one night yep so maybe they went on a second date but they just met they hooked up once they're in a foreign land right and yet they get into this highly and emotionally charged fight in the hospital and are asked by a doctor to leave the room they're fighting as if they've been together for five or six years in some deep, you know, yes. long-lasting relationship. And so I don't know, the, the, the emotional codependence on both ends after spending basically 48 hours together was a little alarming to me. <laughs> so she's at, she's also, she sneaks into this fight, which, which is, you know, supposed to be very exclusive underground. She gets in. And at one point in time, too, she, from her purse, takes out an old-school 80s recorder and starts <laughs> dictating notes. Do you, think the the people the, do you think the people at the Kumite might be like, hey, lady, what are you doing with that recorder? She looks around a little bit, pulls the recorder out, front row. Yes. Uh, Chong Lee ripped a guy's heart out, beating but, but like, heart. But, like, wouldn't you be, like, trying to, like, just quietly take notes or something, right? Like, she's like, all right, so a uh, memo to self. I'm at the Kumite here. Hey, everybody, what's up at the Kumite? Yeah. Like, can you imagine anyone trying to make this storyline happen in a movie in 2022? So, okay, so we're going to have a woman journalist, and she's just going to sleep with the subject. She's going to be a damsel going to the police, and then she's going to be openly cheering for her man at this event. I mean, the, this I feel like this movie set sports journalism and journalism in general back decades. I mean, you want to talk about like women not being respected in the sports media realm. It's, it's, it's portrayals like this, and I'm only half kidding. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> this Kumite is really cool. I'm glad I'm here. Hey. <laughs> Take your shirt off. Hey. All right. Let's see. Oh, you have ripped abs. Amazing. All right, Declan. Uh, to Judd's point, my statement is the, the military storyline is just not needed in this movie. Like, like he he can just. Well, no, it's, I, but, it's like, wanted, but it's part of the true story. Right. To a degree. Yes, it is. But also, if I can be Judd and be direct, like, why don't they just call me? Like the classic Judd Zolgad line in action. We yeah. were like, why don't they just call me to get to ask for advice? Just honorably discharge him at the beginning of the movie. And then he can go to this blood sport thing. The, the antics of it is Looney Tunes watching these military people trying to capture Jean-Claude Van Damme. It is literally like an episode of Looney Tunes, Wile E. Coyote type stuff, man. And it's not needed. It just, I, I, I actually am enjoyed with the whole Kumite thing. It, to me, again, from my opening statement, it reminds me of Mortal Kombat. Like, I'm kind of enthralled by this. This is a real-life Mortal Kombat story. What do we need the military part involved for? I find it absolutely comical. It's not believable, and it's not needed in this movie. You know what? I Sometimes 
sometimes I disagree with you guys when you say that like something's not needed in these movies, but if you were to take that whole thing out, so take out the two bumbling yeah. idiots from the military office, and if it was just about, all right, Frank Dukes is looking to, he's looking to, I was not really avenge the death of his mentor, but he's looking to honor his mentor in death, in passing, by competing at the highest level. And if it was a story about sort of inner angst, and it, it could almost be like Top Gun in a way, where he's fighting sort of these inner demons and... He's trying to conquer this thing, right? So I'm kind of with Declan. It kind of it, it made the movie a lot hokier than it already yes. was, and it was already very hokey. Yes, that's a perfect, perfectly put. Hokey, perfectly put. All right, Judd, back to me. Um, my statement is this: If you strip out the main events at the Kumite, the choreography of some of the lesser bouts is lazy and awful, which oh, is funny. Which is funny because because the main events, it's actually pretty good. Like, it's very plausible. It's shot, I think, pretty well. But there's a couple of them where, where they're, they're trying to establish, you know, just how, how violent this can be. And, like, there's one, I, there's one where the guy is totally missing. Like, he's totally missing. And it's, it's a couple of guys. It's not, it's not the main characters. But the point is... The choreography across the board was not good, especially when the main events, it was, I thought, really good. Well, do you know who the fight coordinator was for this movie? Frank Dukes. Frank Dukes. <laughs> Frank Dukes. Yes. So he didn't care about, oh like, ah, that's, ah, this is just some slappy oh fight. And, okay, you just missed it. But, I mean, like, the guy misses by, like, <laughs> like, and, like, he throws a punch, and it's barely a punch. It's like, hope I didn't hurt you. Yeah, there's, well, there is one scene. I think, I think Chong Lee was in it, and... And the, the so the camera shot is set up. You got Chong Lee on the left side, and you got the the like the wavering opponent, the bumbling yeah. opponent. He's and he's got his back to the camera, and Chong Lee delivers a kick with his right leg, but it's clearly like eight feet away. You can very yeah. clearly tell that these guys are not close to each other. And the guy goes up in the air, you know, and it's and he's got blood all over his face. So they so they clearly had like the blood makeup on the guy's face. Do the fake kick and then turn back to the camera. Yeah, and then some of these. Some of these fighters just okay. So who's the guy that's like fighting on all fours? He's you know he's like an animal on all fours. How'd that guy get into this tournament? Or the big uh, the, the big guy who just puts guys in bear hugs? He doesn't do anything. He doesn't. He yeah. he'll punch you and then put you in a bear hug. Yeah, it it actually is a little bit. Have you guys ever seen the original UFC event from McNichols Arena in Denver? No, no, from nineteen ninety three. So this is this is years before Dana Dana White bought the product. Like I don't know eight or ten years later but the first ever event it was a total train wreck it was th th there was no weight classes nothing you'd have like a sumo wrestler guy up against a, Ju a brazilian uh wow brazilian jiu-jitsu guy right right and and the fights all lasted maybe like 50 seconds or a minute i think there was one four minute fight but nothing lasted the equivalent of one round in today's ufc but it was it was kind of like this it was a hodgepodge of just random people there was there's a boxer, and then they wanted to bring people together from different areas of fighting. Um, and I think that's – they were literally trying to replicate what happened in Bloodsport. Here's a bear hug guy. Here's a guy that fights on all fours. Crawling yeah. around. You're right. Uh, okay, next statement for me. Uh, I um, – let's talk about the early part. All right, Child Frank Dukes has questionable clothing choices and the acting was also terrible. 
So did you guys notice he was wearing a New York Giants shirt and a San Francisco Giants hat? So he just yeah. likes yes. Giants, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And his <laughs> acting was just off. I mean, just terrible. So where did they, bad. Where did they find, there's well, so many know. of these actors that never really acted again ever. I, I, you can count on less than one hand easily how many actors went on to actually have careers. Jean-Claude Van Damme and Forrest Whitaker, basically the only two. Yep. But yeah, that was such a weird opening scene. They're going to go in and steal the sword. And Frank Dukes is sitting in there with his San Francisco Giants hat and New York Giants shirts. And then the, the and then the dad winds up respecting him because of his he tried to put personality as a kid. Yeah. He wasn't going to steal it. He was going to put it back. Yeah. And another odd uh, nod to to Mortal Kombat was that sword that was a katana. And Katana is one of the also one of the more prominent characters in Mortal Kombat. There so again, go. another connection to Mortal Kombat. Oh, amazing, amazing! All right, uh, any final statements from from you, Dex, Judd? Uh, d- just one. La- I, I Jackson was great. I I, I needed I needed more um, of Jackson, the the big big burly just idiot guy. Um, I can't say it on here, but but his line of uh i wrote this down i ain't your pal d face is one of the best slam like just it, w- it was just a great little classic action movie slams i wish i could say it to get the full like reaction of it yeah. but uh but jackson was great i loved i wanted more of the bubbling hilarious idiot jack he's in the hospital drinking a beer Dude, after I, basically being con- being concussed that was one of my observations i don't know if it's a good idea to let jackson pound beers in the hospital while clearly being highly concussed <laughs> And then, and then, just the oh, outpouring God. of manly emotion when they yes. both they lock hands and look each other in the eye. Yes. Anytime you need me, anywhere, I'll be there. <laughs> and then John Claude Van Damme says, "I love you, brother." And Jackson says, "Me too," because <laughs> he can't say "I love you" back. That would be too far, right? That would be showing oh. too much emotion. But he actually, I think that guy went on to have. Somewhat of a career. It's like, he was in one of the frat, frat films, right? Uh, yeah, frat he boy was, films. A, wasn't he in Animal House? Um, no, no, I think he was, he was too. He would have been too young for that because I think that was seventy nine. Yeah, but he was in some type of he was in something that had like a frat boy approach to it. Let's find him here. We can't was, continue forward to re- find find his Revenge career. of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. That's there, Revenge there, of the Nerds. I'm sorry. That mm-hmm. that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. What else? What has he been in anything recently? I think he was also in an HBO football show that Chris Merloni was in in the 80s as well. Wow. I think there was an HBO football show based around a Los Angeles professional team, and I think he was like a linebacker in it. Wow. Yeah, my uh, my Rotten Tomatoes is loading slowly here, so he I did, guess he we did, can move on. Phil, he did star in an episode of Boy Meets World. Uh, he played Tony in It's a Wonderful Night episode. I don't know how well you uh, can pinpoint that exact episode, but he did appear in a Boy Meets World episode per IMDb. Okay, well, I am about 14 episodes into Pod Meets World, where they break down every episode the of Boy Meets of that World. The clips are great. So. I love that. Yeah, so his last cool. movie was 2006, Eight Diamonds. Boy, this dude, if you if here are the here are the Rotten Tomatoes movie score percentages of the movies that Jackson played by Donald Gibb has been in throughout his career. Mm-hmm. 25%, 26%, 92%. The biggest fan. I have no idea what that movie is. 42%, 38%, 33%, 33%, 35%, 34%, 41%. Bloodsport, well, these are just audience scores. 
Bloodsport was a 74%. So he's basically just in these terrible movies for the last 30 years. Judd, first and 10. That first was it. 10. With, with O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson was in that show. I forgot about oh, that. Oh. Yep. 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 Bloodsport 2 in 1996. It did not have Jean-Claude Van Damme, but it did include Ray Jackson. And he is in, they've made like a few other like Bloodsport other sequels, and he has appeared in those. Jean-Claude okay. Van Damme has. I, according to his IMDb, I haven't seen them. But Jean-Claude Van Damme has? Or are they just yeah. showing, I, I thought I read that he hadn't. Maybe they're like showing, are they showing footage of the first one maybe, and he's getting credited for being in those? Because I don't think he acted in those. I don't know. We've already probably dove way too deep into this. Yeah. And he really doesn't act, so <laughs> I love you, brother. Yep. Okay, Jed, any other final statements from you here? No, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. So, all right, those are your statements from, from Bloodsport. All good. We will get to the definitive villain rating here and the overall entertainment score, but this deep dive into Bloodsport presented in part by our friends at Equity Partners. So, if you are looking to make the house selling process easy and hassle free, give a call to our friends or go to their website, equitypartnersmn.com, and, uh, and find out how you can take advantage of their We Have program, which you partner with them, and they will fix up your home, whether it's simple fixes to total remodels to help you get the most value for your home as you sell it. And the best part is you can put offers in on your next home, non-contingent on the sale of yours. When you partner with Equity Partners, equitypartnersmn.com, 612-999-2244, 612-999-2244. Also, hey, friends, don't be ashamed if you suffer from ED. A lot of guys have that problem, and uh, that's why Valley Park Medical Clinic is here to help uh, men in the greater Minneapolis area solve this problem. The treatments are surgery-free, drug-free, and non-invasive. And the Valley Park Medical Clinic team is highly trained. They'll work with you in a discreet manner. It'll make you feel right at home as you can ask any question in a professional and confidential environment. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. All right, dudes. So we're looking for the definitive villain ranking here. Chong Lee is our, is our villain in this movie. And the criteria is how iconic are they, how ruthless are they, and how charismatic are they. To this point, the uh, the best villains that we have rated, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air last week was a 10. Caster Troy from Face Off was a 9. Dom Toretto from Fast and the Furious was an 8.2. The Aliens from Independence Day were a 7.8. The F5 Tornadoes and Surfer Bodhi round out uh, the next two here. So uh, how would you grade on a 1 to 10 scale Chong Lee, iconic, ruthless, and charismatic? I think on a ruthless scale, he's high. Like, I mean, he's very ruthless. He's, he's killing people in fights. So I, that, that, that goes without being said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think charismatic and iconic, I'm not, he's not a perfect 10. I don't think he's a dud either. I would probably, I would give him a six and a half. I don't know if that's too low, but I, I, I would give him a six and a half. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he did inspire, um, in terms of a how iconic game. is he, yeah, he helped inspire a video game. So he does get some points for that for sure. Okay, Judd? I don't think that I have another film where my ranking of the film and the bad guy are going to be so separate and different. Uh, I'm oh. going to give him an eight. I think he's pretty iconic. He is. He is. I, I mean, I will say I will give them credit. The one scene that I thought they did a really good job of uh, trying to sell 
was was the fight where Chong Lee gives his opponent a compound fracture and they show the bone sticking through ah! the guy's leg. Yeah, yeah that and, doesn't and that doesn't make it on the WGN version of the movie. Yeah, but yeah. it's Ugh. actually, pr- but I mean, it's pretty well done. It's sold mm-hmm. pretty well. So I'm going to give him an eight. I think he, uh, I think he passes a lot of tests. He does. It's a seven point five for me, which makes it a seven point three average, tying him with Surfer Bodie from Point Break. I think he's a little bit more iconic than maybe you'd think at first glance just because of how much of a cult favorite this movie is and uh, just how how he helped inspire Mortal Kombat. He lacks a little charisma. You know, he gets up there and kind of thumps his chest a couple times, but he doesn't have a lot of dialogue. Yeah, he's he scares me. I wouldn't it's not him. it's not a zero on the charisma scale, but he could mix in a little bit more a little bit more charisma yeah. between the yeah. fights. What more do you want? He broke a man's leg and he killed the man. He snapped his neck for I think effect. If you, I think if you did the Jared Allen calf roping celebration after you break a guy's leg, you know, just show a little personality. I mean, he didn't need to, and he snapped the guy's neck for fun. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So uh, so there it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Phil. He's oh, yeah, t- it's incredible. <laughs> he's tied for fifth. Uh, the, the the worst ones we reviewed, not counting the personal demons in Top Gun, because there really is no villain in Top Gun, are the British car-loving gangster from Gone in 60 Seconds and funny. Senator Trent from Hard to Kill below a four. So, okay, we're looking for a one through ten entertainment value score here on this movie. The most entertaining movies we have reviewed to this point in the reboot are Con Air, 9.7, Top Gun Maverick, a 9.3, Independence Day, an 8.7, and The Fast and the Furious in 8.5. The worst movies we've reviewed are Gone in 60 Seconds is a 4.7. Hard to Kill is a 5. Twister is a 6.7. So we'll start mm-hmm. with Declan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the same number I gave Chung Lee. It's a 6.5 for me. Um, I, 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 I think the Mortal Kombat factor helps me be interested in this movie. But uh, in general, it's very... Jean-Claude Van Damme, as we said on the outside, is just not a very good actor. Uh, even though it's funny sometimes, like just watching him try to act, I I might watch a scene of this. If my is my classic cliche of if this came on TV, am I stopping to watch it? I might watch a scene and then flip back after the next commercial break. Uh, but it's a six and a half out of ten for me. You're very kind, Declan Goff. You're a very very kind guy. Um, I'm going to give this a three. It is it is a cult classic, but it ain't mine. Um, <laughs> The acting is. How is this movie any different than Hard to Kill? The the I well and I gave and, and I brought that that down. I think I gave that a six, but it's my cult classic. I like sure. it more. Um, the acting is for the most part terrible. Um, the the fact that the authorities who are supposed to bring Frank Dukes back are a complete joke and like made to, to look like buffoons is sort of weird. And and I think they thought it would be comical but it's just sort of weird and stupid so yeah i'm gonna give it a three okay i'm gonna bring this one up here it's not a 10 but i have to self-police a little bit and that literally every time i've seen this movie on tv i stop on it i cannot remember seeing this uh, you know flipping around (laughs) tv guide or whatever and not at least checking it out for five minutes so it's an 8.5 for me (laughs) it is my cult classic it is it is oh my gosh it is a just al- almost down a perfect bad 80s action movie. And so that gives it a score of six between us, which makes it the third worst action movie we have reviewed among the 12 or so since bringing back the franchise. So so there you have it. All right, I'm going to give you guys two choices here because I'm 
I, I kind of like the idea of going down this path of there's some movies we haven't reviewed in the first iteration and we'll get and we'll do we will re-review some of the ones some of the classics too but sure there's a couple that have popped up people want us to review RoboCop which I've never seen before okay it's like early 90s or late mm-hmm. 80s yep mm-hmm. um we could also mix in another Fast and the Furious movie we could go too fast too furious and keep keep going down the path of that franchise mhm I'll throw this one into Rocky three, which we've already, we did it like two years ago in the first iteration, but you guys want to go down uh, a new path in RoboCop, the fast and the furious franchise path, or do you want to get a Rocky movie under our belts? Dex? I vote uh, too fast, too furious. Yeah. And that's where I'm at here too. Okay. I like, I, I, I like to also go from like, I don't like, Staying in the same genre and like what we did hard to kill last week, we did Bloodsport this week, so yeah. we're like we did that that genre. So let let's let's flip it back into the millennium here. Let's uh let let's do too fast, too furious. One forty eight, one forty eight. This film's a winner already. I give and it a ten. Also, getting more feedback from people, it sounds like the third one is the one that Tokyo Drift one that we could you could skip. We could skip that one. You could skip. Okay. okay. So maybe we'll There's do some, Too Fast, Too Furious, and then go to the fourth one at some point. There is no Paul Walker. There is no Toretto's in in Tokyo Drift. There are, I think, one or two characters that do appear back in the front, but like it's not necessary. Like Little Bow Wow is the lead in Tokyo Drift. It, it has it has no point. It's it's not needed. Okay, it's not needed. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So all right, Too Fast, Too Furious for next week. Every single week we dive into the most popular and uh, oftentimes cringeworthy action movies of all time here on Mackie and Judd. This has been Action Movie Rewind.